Pitch Deck Asia. Your story, your words. We're live. This is Pitch Deck Asia. My name's Graham Brown, joined in the studio by the founder of Zave, Alan Schmoll. Welcome. Thank you, Graham. Nice to be uh, nice to be back. It's been a while. Yeah, I think we just a year? figured out it was around 12 months, which yeah. is uh, Time flies. shocking. Yeah, you've been busy. A lot has happened in your world. So the last time you came here, you won an award. We you did. picked up a trophy. Yeah. Is it still in your pride of place in the office? Yeah, no, it's it's pride of place. It's it's right at the front door and it's something that we mention frequently to people that come in and visit us. Great. We love it. Good. Well, it was well earned as well. Just a bit of context. We had a vote last year for, was it the most exciting startup in the Asian startup ecosystem? Something yeah. along those lines. You yeah. came in at number three or four? I think we came in number four overall oh. and number one for legal and, uh, and club oh. sec. <laughs> yeah. That was, was a well category. Thought, that was a vicious category in terms of competition, right? It was, yeah. 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 People yeah. thought that that may not have a lot of contenders, but there's a lot of people yeah. fighting for that yeah. and hot, you won. Hot space. Yeah, I good. Think. Well, you've already set the stall out. We're going to talk about legal and corp sec as well. Mm. And Zave, help people understand a little bit before we go into the pitch deck and a little bit of your story. What is Zave? So Zave is a cloud corporate governance platform at its simplest, and um, it's a two-sided platform. Um, on the one hand, it's used to help startups, SMEs, fund managers, special purpose vehicles, basically anybody that has a legal entity around something. Um, and on the other side of the platform, it's, it's corporate secretaries, general counsel, lawyers that work with these these companies and helping them manage their their corporate governance. Mm -hmm. What is the problem with all of that? Because it sounds like you know if it's corporate governance, just process forms. Yeah. Why, why do we need a platform for that? So I think the the issue with um, corporate governance is is threefold. Um, one is keeping on top of increasing regulations. I mean, it's 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 never been easy, but it's getting harder and harder as regulations increase around the world. Um, and Hong Kong and Singapore, I think, are leading the way in terms of just sort of being stricter and stricter around things, and therefore the compliance requirements of companies are increasing. Um, so tracking is is the first piece, you know, mm. tracking dates and deadlines, when things are due, you know, whether you need to submit financial statements or not, and whether you're GST registered, when your tax is due, um, when AGM needs to, all this type of thing, tracking that, um, you know, is, is one. Um, managing it. And that's sort of the, 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 the sort of the, the infamous sort of paper trail, the email threads, the back and forth between yourself and your corporate secretary or lawyer um, in managing um, either annual requirements or any changes during the course of the year when you're issuing shares or convertible notes or adding directors, changing the company name, all that kind of painful kind of back and forth. So that's sort of the managed side. And then finally, it's just storing stuff, storing stuff. Hmm. So, you know, once your corporate actions have been executed, um, you know, those documents, just having them stored neatly and, you know, on a timeline chronologically and accessible for investors or auditors to kind of take a peek when they need um, is the other piece that we're solving for. So it's it's track managed store, as we like to call it. Yeah. And I vouch for it as well, having used corporate secretarial services, that it is actually often a mess out there that yeah. what appears to be simple, yeah, just keeping on top of dates and documents mm. is actually hard work yeah and 
having used corporate secretarial services and nobody in this room, but, you know, those services should be really there to take away all that kind of brain space thinking about that. Mm. Yet what ends up happening is you end up managing them. Mm. So I, as a business owner, as a startup founder, I think there's a real pain point there. And I, I, I think as well, maybe it's the corporate secretarial services that have the, the, the issue. They need a better platform. Mm. Yeah. So my understanding is, and, and clarify if I'm wrong, really what you're doing is just solving the problem of the corporate secretarial service providers, which is like giving them the infrastructure to better service people like me yeah. and companies who need these services, right? Yeah, so we... Um you know, we create value on both sides of the platform. So for the service providers themselves, um, yeah, there are tools there to allow them to, you know, track dates and deadlines for their clients to generate board resolutions, generate company constitutions and forms. Um, and it's all quite, quite rule-based, which means that it lends itself to, you know, processes to kind of make that all a little bit more efficient. Um, KYC, you know, is tickly in Hong Kong and, and Singapore, you know, the, the know your client regulations, making sure they're not a terrorist, making sure they're not money laundering, all the requirements around that. And frankly, every jurisdiction around the world, I think it's fair to say that is, is increasing. So for them to keep on top of that, you know, to know when Graham Brown was last KYC'd and, mm. and how many entities that they service Graham Brown's attached to, he's a director on two, he's a shareholder on three, and rather than KYCing Graham around five times, which is the way that it currently operates with the infrastructure, they can KYC Graham Brown once. And if there's a problem with Graham Brown, they know straight away what entities it's gonna impact. So, um, you know, just organizing data and making that more efficient as well as providing tools to mm. make their lives more efficient is, is what we focused on quite heavily with, with the partners in the platform. Um, and then, yeah, then the other side of it, it's, yeah, it's just been able, allowing them to kind of track dates and deadlines, although it's the obligation of the service provider to actually do something about it, but for them to just know when things are coming up to make sure nobody misses it, or if they need to kind of be around to sort of make sure they're preparing their AGM, help them plan ahead a little bit better. Um, yeah. And then just sort of managing the workflow back and forth and then storing, storing the stuff. So we do focus on value on both sides of the both sides of the platform, and it's and the, the both sides are a bit different. Okay, switching gears a little bit here before we dive in, Zave, yeah, as a name. Oh, how does that happen? Where did that come from? I know you give me the explanation before, but for the benefit <laughs> of the listeners and the viewers, right? And clarify, yeah. do you own the domain name Zave.com? Um, no, we don't own um, right. Zave.com. Um, it's get Zave, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's get Zave.com. Okay, yeah. so where does that come from? Is there a relation to save or is it anything to do with that or is it just tell me did you want to hear the four-point plan again yeah okay on. the four point the four-point plan for naming a company yeah. so uh, ideally your company name is supposed to sound like an english word yep save but not be an english word or, or be an english word but it's not in the common vernacular um it's ideally meant to be four letters um, it's not meant to have what the company does in the name of it. And that's a tough one. That's debatable. Yeah. Um, but if you want to become this platform for various things in the future and rather than rebranding, you kind of want to be this generic name that can kind yeah. of be used for anything. And then the fourth one, which is the trickiest one, um, but this is the best one, is you can use it as a verb. Yeah. So what's the verb? To save? To save us? Zaved. So Zaved. How, yeah. How do, you, how do you manage your clients? We save it. 
You save it. Yeah. Save it. How, how do you manage your corporate governance? We save, save it. it. Yeah. And do you have a, an identifiable tribe name like Zavers or... Zavers, yeah. Zavoids. Yeah. Zavers. Zavers. Yeah. Who are they? Zavers. So Zavers... So right now, right now, Zavers are our team. Oh, but yeah. as we kind of build community into our, our partners... I think we'd we'd like to sort of refer to kind of our partners as well as yeah. if if they want to be called Zavers, they're very welcome to. Okay. So I think that works out quite well. Yeah, I, I think agree. it sounds better than zeros. Yeah. Don't don't, don't you think contentious? But, well, you can have yeah. super zero. Yeah, super super zeros. Yeah, and yeah. there's a bit of work there. Yeah. Selling that to yeah. the market. Okay. Yeah. Obviously, zero a partner of yours. So um, let's talk about the product itself, and then I want to jump into the journey. Mm. Um, I was going to flash the product up because I think it's useful to see exactly what it is so people can conceptualize it. We'll get up on the screen as well. And bear in mind, Alan, that some people may be listening rather than actually watching this. Yeah. So we might have to be a bit descriptive. So if we can have a look at yeah. the pitch deck. I want to just flash forward to slide three on your pitch deck, which actually um, outlines what the product is. And then you actually go into the breakdown. So we, we're on slide five here about what actually the functions are. And then a bit of the timeline. So let's yeah. talk about what actually it is. It to me, looking at this and help me understand it and the listeners as well, mm. it looks like a dashboard. Mm. What what is Zave from the so, front end? Yeah, so, so again there's sort of those three components of of track managed store. So the the track is um, you know, tracking workflow back and forth with your service provider, and we have a task manager for that. End to end process from creating a task and then observing it as it kind of moves through the various steps through to completion, you know, distributing the resolution directors, updating yeah. ACRA, et cetera. Can Is that a logistical that. challenge effectively, like a, tracking a parcel? It is, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of the DHL of corporate services, okay. perhaps. Yeah, no, it is. It is really tracking it. It's right, at your, right. it's at your doorstep. It's time for you to open the door. Because there's a lot. Is yeah. there a lot of handing over of like from different components? And Th there are. Um, so there's generally about five or six different steps uh -huh. in, a, in a corporate action. From you know, first of all, the client um, of this of these firms, um, you know, requesting something to be done, and then the corporate secretary will review it and make right. sure they've kind of got all they need and confirm anything if they need to confirm it. Draft resolutions, distribute resolutions for signing, update the government, you know, in cases Singapore, it's, it's ACRA. And then, and then it's done and then it's just file it. And that kind of goes in the timeline. So mm. from tasks, managing all those different steps through the document being completed and then filed on the company's, company's timeline. So... It's all in one place. Traditionally, that would have been handed over. How would that have been done? Would it have been Excel spreadsheets, emails? What would it, the, the old school way of doing that, or many people still doing that, I suppose? Yeah, so, so different shades of gray there, I guess. The, the most old school way of doing it would be you'd go down to the corporate secretarial's office yeah, and they'd invite you in for a coffee and they'd lay the paperwork out in front of you. Um, and then they'd sort of push them across the table and, and ask you to, to sign that sign those documents. Um, and then they would and then they would say thank you very much and then they would take those documents mm. and then they would call in the directors to, to come in and have the same cup of coffee and do the exact same thing again. So that's the old school um, the oldest school way I think of doing it. Then as you sort of modernize from that, they kind of move to still wet signatures but yeah. scanned. With signatures, you still it's still you don't need to come to the office anymore, but you need to 
print it off, sign it, scan it, and send it back. Yeah. So by the time it's finished, the thing's been scanned five times and half it's been cut off. Um, and then, um, and then I think sort of one step before us is then using digital signature platforms. You know, there's a bunch out there: DocuSign, HelloSign, Adobe Sign, um, mm. all these guys. Um, but still, even with that, there's still all the workflow around it, yeah. which is generally on email. Yeah, and so these, these you still have to upload the document to yeah. the DocuSign. Yeah, etc. It still has to be a Word document that you upload, and still there's a process, and it takes somebody to think about it. Yeah, and and, and all the all the email around it. Yeah. So you're still capturing the requirements on email. There's still these chains of emails going back and forth. There's still this unstructured data. So but before the resolutions have been generated, there's all this unstructured information going back and forwards. Going, hey, I want to add a director, and then they go back and go, cool, can I have the name? Yeah. They come back with the name and go, oh, I need the middle name as well. Oh, I need the nationality. Are oh, they a PR? All, all that kind of back and forward. Mm. So, you know, I, I think that, that, you know, we're obviously looking to improve on all of those. Um, but I think we're, we're also sort of different to that last piece is, yeah, it's being able to track the whole task, you know, using modern workflow management tools, mm. you know, rather than using email, which frankly is not really designed to do things like this. Yeah. You know, so... So, yes, yeah, so that's a big component of the platform. It's the task manager, and, and that's got the highest usage on the platform. So, you kind of track that. That's where there's a significant amount of activity. Yeah. Uh, people just love the fact they can log in, and then, of course, you can track what they need to respond on, on what their corpsec is working on, or kind of what's done in the archives. Hmm. Um, we then have Timeline, which is the document store, which is a slightly more modern version of of say a Dropbox, which chronologically just keeps a track of every single corporate action. So the date the company was incorporated through to the first board resolution, the different forms, the company constitution, issuing shares, adding AGMs, whatever it is, it's all there neat chronological, it's indexed. So you can scroll back and see what's happened in the last year, or you can search for anything kind of, kind of more specific. Um, and that um, is quite interesting. Quite an interesting problem as well is around what you do with all the historical documents, because it's all well and good to kind of start now and mm. put documents on the timeline going forward. And if the company is new, that's fine. But if you're a company that's been around for kind of five or ten years and you're sort of looking to kind of organise your history, what do you do? Um, and with that, we're we're about to launch a, a feature in the next couple of weeks that machine reads. Mm -hmm. board resolution and just company documents so mm -hmm. you literally just dump the docs scan them first dump the documents onto the platform and it'll automatically figure out which company they apply to what type of action it was what date it was and, and sort of fill it to the company timeline a little bit like how, how zero sort of starts to kind of guess how, yeah. to, how to code a transaction you know we can start to guess how to file a document yeah, well, and that, that is actually I, a great yeah. function on Zero. Yeah, and you, it's something very simple. Yet it takes—I don't think it's—it's it's necessarily time that you're saving. It's mind space. Yeah. If I'm making one small decision, yeah, it's one that's reduced from my decision energy every day, right? Yeah. And as as I guess you've got to have somebody who knows about the business to yeah. make these decisions. Yeah. So if I'm having to make a hundred decisions about small stuff, you know, that sort of reduces my energy for the rest of the day. Yeah. And also then demotivates me to go back in and do it again. Yeah. Yeah. If I go into zero and the analogy being what you're doing with, mm. you know, docs as mm. well is I can just sort of click, okay, okay, okay. You're matching transactions. Yeah. And it's cool. I don't have to make decisions about that. Yeah. I actually really like that function 
even yeah. though it might be small and innocuous, I think it's probably a big value add because it yeah. just takes all the kind of mind space that gets sucked away by stuff. Yeah. Right? And yeah. Like, if you can do that for docs as well, yeah. I think it's a great value add. Yeah, it's 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 a feature that's been requested from the industry. So I mean, you know, much like the the reconciliation feature you've referred to, I mean, the accounting industry wants it even more than the small business because yeah. they're generally the ones doing the books and and it's the same same for us. It's like no lawyer, you know, likes to have to go and do this whole data ingestion in terms of getting a file and and sort of walking th you know working through it. Even a corpse. I mean, nobody's getting paid to actually do that. And for a lawyer, it's actually holding up their ability to go mm. and build the client because until they've completed that ingestion point they and then they know what's the current status quo of the company, they can't then go and do anything yeah. else to the company. So th this is one of those technological applications where everyone's like, cool, automate that. Yeah. They're like, nobody disagrees on that point. Yeah. Um, well, we, yeah. Talk, we talk about the, the journey and what you're trying to build long-term with this, what yeah. the, the vision is. Yeah. I feel there's, there's a sort of a, a generation of apps or platforms emerging which really help automate the work of business yeah and you know you, you mentioned a lawyer for example mm. who spends a lot of time doing pattern recognition which can be done better by a machine right mm. and yet they didn't sign up for that mm. you know they went to law school to go and change the world or mm. to do something meaningful mm. and so i think of this pyramid as like the workflow pyramid yeah. work being 80 yeah. percent, flow being the 20 percent, which you're kind of enabling business owners to focus on if, if i can kind of automate this stuff if i can like zero or zave if i can automate the stuff of business mm. i can focus on flow which mm. is this it's communication yeah. it's yeah. building relationships it's doing what i'm here and what i signed up to do yeah. and any lawyer you know has to maintain client relationships has to help build businesses not just take a shoebox mm. and match patents effectively mm. Mm. so you know when i feel like looking at businesses like zave or zero you know, really what you're doing is you're helping business owners do what they set out to do mm. by automating all the stuff that gets in the way. Yeah. Rather than, you know, that's the day-to-day -day of what you do, but effectively the end benefit is flow. Yeah. It's that human state that machines can't copy. Yeah. And, and it benefits their providers as well because if the company is spending less time and energy dealing with, you know, corporate secretarial work, for example, or accounting work or kind of whatever it is, that company is going to be able to spend more time building their business, yeah. which means they're going to be around a lot longer as a client and they're going to get bigger and they're going to have more complex needs and there's going to be more you can then build them on. They're also going to do more in terms of increase their corporate activity. So this is something that we found as well is when you make it a little bit easier for a company to manage one entity, they're more mm. likely to spin up another entity and whichever provider kind of leans in and kind of gives them this technology to kind of make their lives easy for that, they're going to win the next business yeah. and the next business. So it's, I think for corporate service providers, you need to have this a little bit of confidence to kind of break through the fact that a lot of what you may be doing now is going to get automated, but yeah. kind of look beyond that. 
and yeah. realize there's going to be more going on with this client. They're going to send you more business. Um, and in theory, you're going to be able to go and you know, advise them on, you know, and I get in trouble for saying this sometimes, but high value added tasks. Yeah, you know, I, not not say, you know, CorpSec is low value, but, you know, there is, there's other things you can do with a client that are less sort of compliance driven, yeah. you know, um, you know, help them, you know, structure an employee stock option plan, you know, help them, um, you know, around uh, fundraising or restructuring mm -hmm. or th th there's a lot you can do. Yeah. Um, well, why not? Because you have their trust. Yeah. You've proven you can solve a problem. Yeah. Now what else can you solve as a problem? Yeah. That's a proper platform, right? That yeah. you're building. That yeah. you solve one problem, then you move on to another one. Yeah. And I feel it's, it's a model which has been reflected. If you go back years, the KPMGs of this world, yeah. the ones who started as audits. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they then became management consultants. Yeah. So why not? Yeah. I think this is a, a similar kind of evolution, right? Yeah. You can move up that value chain, if you like. Yeah. And start offering those kind of services in future. Yeah. Should we have a look at the timeline, Alan? I want to see where you've come from and where the you're company going. company timeline. Yeah. Nice. So. Tell us. So you started. Yeah. Well, you've, you've actually gone through a two-year anniversary. Yeah. Just passed. Congratulations. Thanks. You've made it over the hump or the valley of death. Yeah. Two years in. Um, so obviously not everybody can see this. We'll, we'll talk about what's actually on the timeline page. You came from the world of investment banking. Yeah. Particularly as I, if I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, you tell me, but is it fixed income yeah. derivatives products? Yeah. Which is specifically yeah. like, that's a very specific world, isn't it? Where you're designing, it's, you're not on the trading floor, but you, what, what kind of mindset goes with that world? Yeah. So yeah. So the, the where I spent most of my time in in banking was sort of this hybrid role between originating debt securities and structuring them. Yeah. Um, and you know, one of my favorite topics is hybrid securities. It's a bit like debt. It's a bit like equity. It's kind of somewhere in between. I'm glad you get excited about that. <laughs> Not many people do. <laughs> um, so originating and structuring the security and then trading them. So you know, most of my career was set on what's called a syndicate desk, mm. which is a, a primary markets desk. And primary meaning it's there to trade the new issue. So when a company wants to go and raise debt, issue a new bond or raise equity, that's that's done through a syndicate desk. And then once it's then been traded at primary, i.e. the equivalent of like, you know, a company issuing equities and you know, issue shares to a new investor, that's primary. Mm. Once they've bought those shares, um, it then and they then want to go and sell them on to somebody else, that's then secondary, secondary trade. So it was it was the primary site. So it's in some ways obviously it's very different. To, to doing this. Um, but I think where it's quite similar is a ton of compliance. Mm. And that just increased a lot post-financial crisis, increased regulations about what we can put on our balance sheet, what we need to be um, sharing with investors, you know, what we need to update them on, you know, what we don't have to share with them and you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, and then obviously, obviously just it's issuing, issuing and structuring securities, you know, mm. and obviously, you know, kind of back, you know, those were, you know, large organizations doing highly structured, pretty, pretty funky stuff. Mm. Um, but it's, it's similar to kind of what companies are doing now. I mean, you're seeing startups now because they've got the corp sex that kind of understand the different funding instruments. They're doing more funky stuff too. Mm. Um, and it's in their interest that they, that they do because it, it's opening up more innovative ways to fund rather than just issuing shares anymore. You can issue a safe note, for example, and, you know, you can incentivize your employees beyond 
a monthly salary with stock option plans and, and things like that. So there is there is a little bit of crossover there to kind of what I was doing, I guess, in, in banking. Did you start out on that journey saying, I want to build this SaaS platform or I want to solve this specific problem? Where was the genesis of Zave for you? What was the conversation that happened? And was it you or with somebody else or how did it start? So... You know, Zave is the the second startup that I've sort of done after banking. So I left banking in 2014. The, the first one was sort of workflow around primary debt capital markets. So it was building a, a workflow tool specifically around kind of what I was very familiar with. Yeah. And that was just, that was probably like a low risk thing for me to kind of leave banking and do because I was obviously very familiar with, you know, some of the pain points that needed to be solved. solved. Um we pivoted, um, we, we moved on from that um, about two years ago. And, you know, we didn't roll a single line of code, but we rolled our infrastructure and architecture. And I think the reasons today that we're onboarding with large corporate services firms because infrastructure is kind of built to like JP Morgan level security. Mm-hmm. But in terms of what the actual, you know, platform does today versus kind of what that platform does is, is a little bit different. Having said that, that was also a two-sided platform too. On the one side, you had investment banks, mm-hmm. JP Morgan, Cities, Bamels, um, working on st- stuff with their clients on the other side of the platform. That were companies raising money, uh, companies rather investing in the deals that these banks were originating. So the Black Rocks and Fidelities are kind of on the other side. Um, whereas, whereas now it's it's again it's SaaS. It's a two-sided platform. Um, on the one side, you have the legal corporate sector professional services industry, which is sort of akin to the, the JP Morgan, I guess, equivalent. Mm-hmm. And then on the other side, you have the consumers of these services, which are the Graham Browns. Yeah, the startups. Yeah, yeah stuff, fund managers, family offices, VCs, right. private equity, anybody that touches legal entities, which this days is pretty much everybody that's the entrepreneurial So stuff. when you started it, did you have a bigger vision of what you wanted to build? Or yeah. was it like, I want to solve this problem? Did you say, like, I want to grow this billion dollar platform? that yeah. solves this global problem. Yeah. How does it work? Because I think it's an interesting yeah. story for people to kind of understand how these start. Like some people do start with that, but some yeah. people just say, look, there's this problem. I want yeah. to fix that first. Yeah. And yeah. let's see how big that becomes. Yeah, so I think we, we, you know, as I sort of put up there, I was sort of a power user of corporate services. In the first startup, we had, um, you know, entities that were managed by these corporate secretaries in different jurisdictions that we're in. And so I observed firsthand the pain, mm. but not from the perspective of the corporate secretary necessarily, but perspective of the company. Right. You know, I was a big fan of the people that we were working with at these firms. I liked them, but I started to despise them, not because they were bad people, because their processes were really painful. Yeah. So it was this unnecessary tension in my relationship with this industry. And it wasn't because they sucked at what they do. They're very knowledgeable people and there was nothing wrong with them at all. Take them out for a beer, nicest people in the world. But there was something that was innate around the process that was mm. making me despise the industry. Yeah, that's the work getting yeah. in the way of the flow, right? Yeah. And even in relationship. Yeah, yeah. So it was, yeah, so it was, it was, it was observing that mm. and then sort of figuring out, okay, well, there's something to do here. How do we go about doing it? So we kind of, we had two choices. And I think maybe this is interesting for some of your listeners instead of starting something out. The knee-jerk reaction is to kind of start with the end solution 
mm. you know, start with kind of the the end game and kind of hope it works. Yeah. You know, st you know so the equivalent of like an Amazon would be if, if Bezos started with the end solution and worked back, he would not have sold books in his garage. No. He would have just created a website. He would have gone out to the world and found people that wanted to buy books and found them booksellers that wanted to sell books. And what would have happened? We wouldn't have Amazon today. Yeah. Because that's just not the way you build platforms. You know, it's the same with Uber. You know, mm. Uber didn't start out by finding passengers and finding drivers. They went and paid drivers to put their feet up on the, you know, on the, what's the word? Dashboard, that's it. Yeah. Feet up on the dashboard, turn the app on, literally just have it on, paid to do that and not do anything. Yeah. And then they went out and told a bunch of passengers that look at all these drivers that are kind of are out there and you can just press a button and they're going to come pick you up. And like, cool. So it's, it's figuring out which side of the platform you're going to solve for first because it's mm. very difficult to solve for both sides at the same time. Yeah, yeah, unless you've got billions. Yeah, and, and, even, and even that sometimes, yeah. you know, it doesn't, you know, money doesn't always necessarily solve, solve, solve that either because mm. you can throw money at something, but sometimes you, just, you need to force it a little mm, bit unless mm. you're the one that's actually providing that one side it's a little bit difficult so bezos book, had books in his garage right so that was the one side U uber again just you know yeah. paid pay, pay the limo drivers sitting outside literally you know downtown merrill offices that were waiting to pick up bankers mm. to just turn the app on and kind of sit there and get paid for really doing very much very little between the hours of 2 p.m and 5 p.m and f for us it was um, we want to go and sort of force one side of the market, which was starting out as this corporate services provider. Um, and what that allowed us to do is, is not just kind of, um, you know, bring, um, you know, traffic to the solution hmm. or kind of just validation for what we're sort of trying to solve for. Um, but it also meant we could just sort of focus all of our resources on, on the other side. Mm. Um, well, it's a learning process as well, isn't it? Yeah. I think effectively what you did, you have to know what the problem is before you can solve it for yeah. everybody else. And yeah. being effectively an agency yeah. in step one of your journey, you were learning the problem. Yeah. And therefore, once you learn it, then you can create tools, yeah. platform for yeah. other people to then use them, right? Yeah. That is what you did in yeah. that, that process. and. Understanding the problem is the problem, I feel, yeah. in this world, is that your understanding of a problem is probably better than all those agencies now out there who are the corp sec providers, mm. right? You understand their problem better than they do because mm. they're kind of too busy mm. doing it, mm. right? Whereas you've kind of understood it. You've now created a platform where your acquisition costs are lower than theirs, so mm. they might as well just use your platform because mm. it's better for them, mm. right? And also the production costs and so on. Mm. So you've now solved their problem that they had by going through it yourself. Yeah. You're going through that journey. And now you're sort of at this platform level. I'm really interested in what kind of a team and what kind of people are needed to grow it to the next level. Because I'll, I'll sort of preface this a little bit. I know you like to read a lot. Mm. And I know we've, we've shared a few book reviews mm. and so on. Mm. Um, you're someone who likes to understand the bigger picture. Yeah and understand sort of more the meta of business Try as well. To. Well, you do a good job. I don't think everybody reads as, well, certainly everybody doesn't read as much as they should do. Mm. You keep yourself relevant out mm. there. Mm. 
in terms of your team that you're building around you as well, mm. w first of all, what kind of people do you have on board? Mm. Are they all sort of big thinkers, blue sky thinkers, or are they people very much in the, the weeds of doing? What mm. kind of culture is it as well to build this platform? What does it take? Yeah. So I think in some ways we run tried a, quite a traditional sort of structure in terms of right now we're kind of a three structure firm. So kind of have sort of me up at the top, I guess. And then we have middle management and sort of there's, there's VPs at kind of that level. And, um, you know, we're very focused on kind of what the important, what the things are we kind of need to get really, really right at this point. And for us, it's, it's really, there's three components to that. So one side is obviously engineering. Um, the other side is, is brand and marketing um, and events and working with our channel partners and all that stuff. And then the third part of it is partner success. So, you know, the engineers can build product that is gonna lead to delight. The brand and marketing team is to make sure people go out and kind of know that these products are out there and, and that they kind of, you know, invoke some sort of emotion. Mm. Um, and then, then the third side is obviously, you know, once we kind of have, you know, partners coming to us to make sure that they have an incredible experience kind of using the platform and they get that, and they're getting the most out of it so they can go and build, so the corporate secretaries can go and build bigger businesses and compete in a digital world. So it's, it's those, those three teams. Now, in terms of kind of what, what people we look at sort of bringing into, bringing into those teams, um, you know, en engineering, I think what we do perhaps a little bit differently than most firms out there is we, we run a, f we deliberately run, we're deliberately still running a full stack engineering team. So a lot of technology companies way too early on will start to divide the stack. They're mm. like, this guy's a front end engineer. You know, this person is a database engineer. Um, you know, we deliberately run that full stack. And I think that's kind of very important um, because, you know, as as the platform is is evolving, there's obviously a lot of connectivity between the back and the front end and making sure that everybody kind of knows everything and can work on everything, I think helps us, but it also makes it, I think, a, a better place to work and it attracts different types of people. The problem is, you know, when you advertise for a role and you say a back-end engineer, hmm. it's like, it, it's like, you know, you know, you sort of that, that, the example I think you use of kind of building a cathedral. It's like, you know, if you come in and say, you know, you're a bricklayer and we're not telling you like which part of the cathedral you're going to build. And people ask you, what do you do? They're either going to go, I'm a bricklayer or they're going to go, I'm building a cathedral. Yeah. Where if, if you get told then you're building the toilets, mm. right? And you're building the, the, the room with the priest sitting in the back. When somebody asks you, what do you do? You're not going to say building a cathedral. You go, I build the toilets. Yeah. I build the room, the priest sit in the back. So... I think at that stage now we sort of want to attract people that um, that feel that they're, they're a part of something which is getting very big, very fast. We want to feel that they they have a hand into all of it. Mm. Now there will come a point where you're going to have to have bricklayers that focus on, on on certain different things. But I think startups underestimate how far back that point can yeah, be. Yeah, yeah, especially yeah. at this early stage. I mean, yeah. I know you're two years old, but still, it's still early, early yeah. in the journey. I mean, how many people you here in Singapore now? Um, Singapore's 14 yeah. people. Yeah. You've got some in different, you, some in Australia as Purely well? Purely on technology. Um, we did, not anymore. Mm. So Hong Kong and Singapore is, yeah. is, is where we're kind of focused on 
right yeah. now. We, and would you, 14 people, would you class that as still a small company? Or, I mean, how do you see that? I mean, generally, I mean, you're larger than most startups. Yeah. Right? Which are probably two to five people at the yeah. end of stages. But, you know, you're beyond that. Yeah. And how, you know, how would you see that? How are you growing from here? Yeah. So I, I think, I, I don't feel that we need to go out and say double the team yeah. over the next 12 months. Like, I feel like we've put the right people in place now that can probably take us to our next stage of, of growth. Um, I, I think we'll continue to add headcount around partner success. In fact, we just, we just had somebody join today mm -hmm. um, on the partner success side. Um, we'll, we'll probably start to add, continue to add headcount around engineering. Um, some of the shared services we've hired in legal, we've hired in finance. But yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't feel like, I, again, I don't feel like I need to go and double, double no. the team. No, yeah. good. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad you say that. Yeah. It's a, a knee-jerk reaction, right? Yeah. I think sometimes it's a good way of faking growth. Yeah. Hey, look, we've doubled. Yeah. Or you get people mm. who reflect back on you and say, hey, you guys are growing like crazy. Yeah. How do you know? Well, I, like you, you're doubled yeah. in size. Yeah. By headcount. Bad Not metric. As, yeah. Bad but that, that's, that's yeah. the obvious public yeah. vin validation of your metrics, right? Yeah. So what about working with you? Yeah, I'm, I'm curious, like working with Alan Schmoll, what that's like. It's great. <laughs> I bet it is, right? <laughs> I, I, I know, the reason I say, I know, like, I mean, I, I've got to know you a bit better yeah. over time since the last time you were in the yeah. studio. And, you know, I've spoken third party evidence of working with Alan as well. And I know mm. that people will say you're very driven. You're a very ambitious person. Even, I mean, you might not profess to have massive goals, but I think you're very much a driver mm. of the business and engine. Mm. You're pushing things forward constantly. Mm. How is that in that sort of culture? Because I, I think that can be off-putting for some people. I yeah. mean, put it out there, you yeah. know, both for partners and for um, employees as well. Mm. But I think it's it will attract some people as well, you know, yeah. the right people. W what's it like in that? I mean, are you a driven person? And how does that sort of manifest in your day-to-day? -day? Yeah. So... I'd like to think that I think definitely driven. So there's, um, you know, we, we obviously, you know, there's a lot that we kind of want to do. Um, you know, I, I'd like to think we don't kind of run it as kind of a, a bottom down kind of captain's call type type culture. So I think one of the things that I'd like to think we do a good job of is we we spend a lot of time making sure that everybody feels like they're at the table. Mm. Um, How do you do that? So th there's there's various things that we do. So we work with executive coaches. So we have executive coaches in from the US that are sort of doing more in this part of the world to kind of do this stuff with other technology firms. So um, so you know all, all the VPs have um, have coaches and they have coaches that focus on sort of specific things that they're sort of trying to improve on, be it communication skills or management mm. skills or kind of whatever whatever it is or. or balancing home life it can really be anything you know the jobs of these executive coaches to kind of figure out kind of what's standing in the way of unlocking this you know more potential out of somebody and kind of solving for them and bringing the right people in and make sure they can do that yeah so so we, we have that we, we also do um we do team circles um you know sort of amongst kind of middle management where yeah, we, we get together every sort of few weeks and we sort of really kind of deep dive into kind of the why of of you know why are we doing this you know we, we did the last week we did the five whys which is always a really great exercise mm. really gets gets down to you know why are you really doing what you're doing and why you're doing that and is that like toyota philosophy getting to the root why 
Yeah, it's it's a, it's a little bit right, you know, yeah. and unless you can tie back, you know, what you're doing during the week yeah. to some sort of you know inner sort of inner sort of you know deep down kind of natural driver, it's not sustainable, right? right. Yeah, so, absolutely. So let me ask you, why? Yeah. What gets you out of bed in the morning? Yeah. And doing this? Yeah. So um, for me, when I do the five whys, it kind of goes, it goes back to, um, there's, there's really two things. It's um, the main thing is I enjoy creating things. Yeah. And, and, I, and I do generally get more value out of seeing people enjoy things that I create than actually enjoyment out of things that I've created for myself. Mm. And, and when in doing these sessions, we kind of went right back to kind of when I was, my grandpa would kind of be in the tool shed and we'd kind of make go-karts and then I'd like take it to mom and like see mom, you know, have fun right. with the go-kart. Like that was more, th that just invoked more passion or more enjoyment in myself than, than me flying down the hill in the go-kart. Yeah, yeah, doing it for somebody else. Yeah, doing it for somebody yeah. else. So, and, and I think that's what I love about Zave is, you know, is, is, is we're, we're, we're touching you know, we're, we're touching startups, you know, SMEs, you know, people that are living out their dreams, yeah. right? And we're making it e easier for them. We're reducing the risk that they fail. You know, we're giving them tools so they can kind of do more with less and they can live out their dreams. Mm. And to see that happen is, uh, I find is the biggest driver for kind of why I'm doing it. Mm. And it's not just, you know, that side of the ledger, it's, it's then the corporate secretarial firms and the law firms. And a lot of the firms that we kind of work with, they're also entrepreneurs themselves. Yeah. You know, they are, you know, they have dreams around their businesses and, and for them to come to us and say, uh, Alan, this is like changed the way that we've, uh, that we run things here. And like our clients just are much, you know, happier with working with us and I can see them doing better things. Mm. And this is great. And we, we get that feedback quite a bit. And that's really what, that's what gives me the buzz. That's mm. what gives, that gives me the tinkle down the spine. Mm. That's it, the go-kart. That's the go-kart. Yeah, that's you know, the mum on the go-kart. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah. you wouldn't have considered, I mean, given with all due respect, your your education and your work history up to the point you became an entrepreneur. Yeah. On the paper, totally a different. creative person. Yeah. You know, you, you're yeah. not, you, when we think of creative people, yeah. we think of artists yeah. or, you know, the, the traditional makers. Yeah. Yet there is a very creative drive there to make stuff which is sort of reflected in a way in a different format it's, it's a bit more logical than yeah. maybe just freeform canvas isn't it but it's yeah. very much making stuff yeah and you and who would have thought it looking at what you're doing now it, it's still very much a go-kart but as a SaaS platform yeah you know that sort of line well no. it is really if you turn no. and think about the energies you're involved yeah you know, and that really, I suppose, if for startup entrepreneurs as well, looking at that, that they feel maybe they've got that creative drive to yeah. make stuff. Yeah. That it can be expressed in many different ways, right? It's not just like it, being creative is sort of creative with a big C in sort of the, as an industry. Yeah. It's very much what you're doing day to day. Yeah. No, and I think it needs to be there. And I think it, it's really apparent in startups when it's not there when they're solving for something else. The most dangerous thing is solving for ego. Mm. And this is something that we spend quite a bit of time, like everybody in this world, uh, save maybe the Dalai Lama, there is some component of ego in there. And anybody who thinks that they're not driven by ego at all has got it wrong. Yeah. So it's, it's all about kind of keeping it at bay. Now, yeah, yeah. you know, c coming from banking, 
It was like, the world of ego. <laughs> it was 150% ego, yeah, yeah. right? It was- That's how you survive. Yeah. That, 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 that was it. It was just about massage. The whole thing was right. massaging your ego. But I'm glad yeah. you say that because, yeah. I mean, I, w- I was a, a business owner in my previous life as yeah. well. And I think ego was one of the biggest undoings yeah. in my sort of trajectory. And yeah. exactly the point earlier, 12 people expand to 25 people. Why? Yeah. Because it was a story of success. Yeah. And therefore that's ego. So you're yeah. solving your own problem rather than the problem of the customers, right? Yeah. How, how do you keep that in check? Do, is that where you bring in the coaches or do you have some touchstone? Do you have the Dalai Lama sitting in your office going, Alan, <laughs> hey mate, let's have a chat. Because it's tough, isn't it? Especially when you are the owner of the yeah. business. Yeah. And you can easily surround yourself by an echo chamber. How do you keep that ego in check? Um, I think it's a two-way process. So, you know, it's, you know, one of sort of the, the, one of the obligations of kind of the teams in our circles is to sort of, you know, be open, be open around how things can be done better in the organization as well as, as well as obviously how they can kind of improve themselves. So I think we we have this very kind of open kind of sharing culture where, um, where people are not afraid to speak up. Um, and they do speak up when they think things can be done better or something's been done for, um, you know, for reasons other than, you know, the, the, the better growth of the Zave platform because it's massaging somebody's, somebody's yeah. ego. So, so I think part of it is kind of creating that culture that, that to sort of increase the chance that somebody will go, you know, this is all exciting and stuff, Alan, but hey, let's just like take a step back here and ask ourselves why we're doing this. Yeah. And does I, it happen? When was the last time that. you were wrong? Huh? When was oh, the it never time? happens. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. no, it's um, no, it's. Uh, I think, I think you know. One thing that I've been working on the last few months is I can get a bit overexcitable. Like I get really passionate mm. in kind of in kind of proving a particularly when I, I feel like I'm kind of right. Yeah. Um, you know, proving a proving a point, and then sometimes I kind of ask myself, you know, oh, Alan, why is it so important for you to be proving that point? Yeah. And I ask myself that kind of more often than I kind of used to. I'm like, there's actually no point. Well, why are you doing it? Is it, an, is it ego? Because you just mm, want to show mm. that you've got something right and somebody's got something wrong. Yeah. So I, I think w- working on that, and then there's been a couple of situations in the last couple of months that I've sort of n- noticed, well, wait a sec, Alan, this is an ego-driven thing mm. rather, than, rather than because you're helping somebody do something better. Um, but yeah, I mean, just, just generally getting overexcited about things, you know, that's that not happens, a bad thing. That happens a lot. But it, yeah. it's a bad thing if you don't have people who can keep you in check. Yeah. It's, it's a, otherwise it's a great thing. Yeah. And then you should have a lot of people like that yeah. and have balances. Right. Yeah. So I think it shouldn't, it's only a weakness when there is no balance. Yeah. And I think therefore, you know, that's kind of, and I use like the, uh, the Magnus from Antler, vernacular, yeah. the spike. Yeah. The spike in the entrepreneur is that yeah. that they're slightly you know if you look at that bell curve of personality they're yeah. slightly out there yeah slightly dysfunctional yeah socially which then becomes an advantage in this world yeah because they have that sort of I don't say superpower but they have that ability to do that when other people don't mm. and therefore when that's harnessed mm. it's phenomenal mm. because the fact you get excited creates this energy mm. and drive. Mm. And as long as it's not all ego and you've got these people around you to keep it in balance, yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. So I think, you know, that forms part of the culture. If you can create a culture where people can openly challenge you, so Alan, you're wrong. Mm. And I'll tell you why, because mm. of this mm. data. Mm. And you say, great, mm. let's have a look at it mm. rather than like you're fired. Mm. 
then it's not a climate of fear, right? Yeah. Then I think it's a phenomenal environment to be in. Because you can imagine, you mentioned like Jeff Bezos, for example. Mm. I imagine he was like that. Yeah. And he was just overexcitable. So, about so, everything. So, all these guys, Steve Jobs as well. I mean, early years, like impossible to work with. Yeah. Yeah, literally impossible to work with. Like there was a culture of fear there at Apple. Yeah. I mean, it changed over time. But, yeah. But that, 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 that starts because you've got somebody that's just like, you know, so energized and excited about something and kind of sees this, sees this vision and can't understand why people are getting in the way. Yeah. Just want to push it through. You yeah, steamroll it. So want to steamroll it, and, and that can I think that can that can work at certain times of an organization, and of, and also for certain things. You know, there are still going to be some things that you know Tim Cook needs to just go. You know what? I just need to get this done. Yeah. But but don't worry. We, there's ten other things we can sit here and debate about and look at the data on. But this just needs to happen. Yeah. This, yeah. this is going to be a captain's call. You yeah. Know, and I'm the captain here, so I can decide when that happens. But, but, but you need to keep it in check. And I think that the skill of a strong CEO, a strong entrepreneur is kind of knowing when the steamroller comes out, you know, when there's the time to sit there and kind of debate. Yeah. When there's a the time just to go, this one's not Get the debate. Done. This is just getting done. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So moving forward, future. Yeah. Sort of rounding up. You've got a great platform. And I, I testify the fact I've tried it out. The experience is really good. And I think of zero when I use it for great experience, stuff that you wouldn't have thought normally you'd associate good experience with, you mm. know, the, the ledger or the documents mm. of a company. Mm. And yet when it is a good experience, you actually feel quite engaged with it. Mm. You know, there's that engagement that never existed. That emotion starts appearing, that yeah. attachment to it. You have partners, you have clients, mm. you're collecting a lot of data now mm. about people. What's the future? Yeah. So it's you know, the, the the future here is um, I think near term is to continue to kind of build out those those partners and we put those partners into two buckets. There's there's partner firms. So those are corporate secretarial firms. Those are law firms um, that use the product to work with their their clients. Um, we launched a program about six weeks ago. Um, we now have around 20 partners, uh, most of them in Singapore, three in Hong Kong and one in Australia. Mm. So working with them to make sure they get the most out of the platform as well as make improvements where, um, where they feel we can improve. So that, that's ongoing and that's, that's, that's already got a lot of momentum behind it now, sort of adding two or three partners every week and um, you know, entity growth over the last six weeks has sort of been 150% and it's, that's all working quite well. So that's sort of going to kind of run its own path. We'll continue to put people around that to make sure that we do a good job there. Um, and then, then second of that, which is sort of in parallel with that, but more kind of planning for the future is, is ecosystem, is ecosystem kind of beyond partners. Hmm. But that ecosystem not just benefits us, it also benefits the partners. So... It's about bringing you know other partners onto the platform that can benefit small business, that can benefit um, you know family offices, and also can benefit the lawyers and the corp sec. So um, you know on the on the technology side, you know sort of we, we have this partnership with with Zero, um, you know where they sort of focus on cloud accounting, we focus on cloud corporate governance, but we kind of sell into similar channels. Um, and that works well because there's, there's obviously value on kind of both sides and, and that will increase the chances that both of us succeed and therefore both our ecosystems obviously benefit from that. Now, in terms of where, where we see value in ecosystems and when we kind of look at what's the gap that's helping companies, you know, now they've got their accounting data all organized thanks to zero, 
And now they've got all their corporate governance, cap tables and documents and everything organized, hopefully thanks to, to Zave. What can the companies now go and do with that? Hmm. Um, and where we feel there's a lot to be done is fundraising, you know, making it easier to raise money. Although in this environment, raising money seems to be quite easy, but that may change next year. Well, it might be easy, but still a lot of paperwork. It's still a lot of paperwork. And there's still a lot and, of, I don't know how to do this. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's, it's helping with that and just, yeah, helping people kind of know what the options are out yeah. there as well as kind of connecting them with investors and allowing investors to, to conduct due diligence faster. So mm. there's less time wasting on, there's less spinning in the wheels on kind of both sides. Um, lending, is a, lending is a big one. Um, you know, it's, you know, zero sort of, sort of has, has these statistics where, you know, when a company fails 60 to 70% of the, the time, it's, it's because they ran out of money yeah, and, and not because, not because they had terrible business models, but obviously that's a part of it. But usually it's just because they don't have access to funding. They don't have access to short, medium-term funding that can allow them to kind of get through two or three payrolls or can allow them to, you know, fund a project to kind of bring another customer on the platform. Hmm. Um, and, you know, it's, it's an area that the banks have generally kind of not really focused on. You know, A, because they look at it as it's too much work and too small. Um, and, and B, just because of kind of, you know, regulations around what they need to deal with, they kind of want to make their life simpler. So you have, I mean, you look at an economy, any economy is sort of 95% of the company is a small business. So when you think about 95% of the companies can't get funding, now it's improving. Um, you, you know, you do have a lot of alternative funding platforms that are out there. Um, but you kind of look at the process of lead qualification. Well, before you get a lead, lead gen. Mm. So generating a lead for somebody that needs funding you know, before they really know it almost, no one's really solved for that. Lead qualification, that's really clunky yeah. still. Cause it's yeah. like, you gotta send your docs and then kind of look at it. We think there's a lot we can kind of do. Yeah, yeah. With, 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 there's a lot of noise and with, time wasted. With zero and kind yeah. of bringing that compliance data and the accounting data kind of together. Um, and, then there's, and then there's obviously the kind of the, you know, the, the offer. It's like, okay, now we've, okay, thanks. You know, you need to raise money. You borrow money. Yeah, we figured out we can lend you money. And this is kind of what we're going to lend it to you at. Are you interested in doing this? Mm. You know, how do you then close the deal per se? And that's a pretty clunky space as well. So, so I think there's, there's three components there where, where we can kind of add value for these, for these platforms. And we've kind of started doing, doing more sort of funding platforms on, on that. So there's, 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 there's one example, but there's just, there's many things that small business need to kind of start, grow, thrive, right? And, and, and a lot of it comes down to, um, you know, if, if not the, the generation side, but in terms of actually, you know, getting something done, you know, they need to come, somebody needs to review all this, frankly, you know, you know, all this corporate governance stuff to make sure you are who you say you are, the KYC is done correctly. Mm. You know, they know who your shareholders are, they know who your directors are, you know, they, they need that. And, and if we can make that a little bit easier, you know, that again, just sort of brings value to the ecosystem. Absolutely. Yeah. A lot of work to do. Yeah. Alan Small from Zaif, thanks so much for coming back and joining us in the studio today. Where do we go to find out more? Put the shout out. So um, I think on the recruitment side, we use Wantedly. 
Yeah. Um, so you can sort of Google Zave, save with a Z, um, and Wantedly and kind of find us there in terms of sort of where we're hiring for. Um, there's a website, getsave.com, um, where both small business can sign up for Zave accounts as well as corporate secretarial law firms can also sign up to partner with us. Um, and there's a form on the website as well if you just want to ask some other question or chat. Um, but LinkedIn. Yeah. LinkedIn. Yeah, as well. I'll put the details in the show notes. Yep. Yeah. Want to reach out to Alan? Please reach out to me on, on LinkedIn. I think for us, the two areas that we can always do with more help on is just sort of um, access to talent, be it in engineering, partner success, um, you know, brand and marketing, mm. um, as well as just, um, you know, anybody that we can help out with with their, with their corporate governance, of course, on the, on the, on the business development side. So any, any of those areas please do reach out. Fantastic. This is Pitch Take Asia. If you've been watching this show and you've made it all the way to the end, congratulations. Thanks for joining us today. And give Alan a thumbs up, a like on YouTube. And also reach out to him in all the various channels mentioned before. Thanks a lot, Alan. Thanks, Graham. That was Pitch Deck Asia, powered by Pitch Media Asia. My name's Graham Brown. Pitch Deck Asia is a platform to give startups in Asia a voice we give them a show to help them tell their story. And if you love these startup stories and like hearing more about the journeys of the founders, go and check out our SoundCloud channel, which is available at pitchdeck.asia slash SoundCloud. That's pitchdeck.asia slash SoundCloud. Head along to the channel, subscribe, follow us, and feel free to leave a comment or a rating on our channel as well. We'd love to hear your feedback.